Just remind you It's my 
interpretation Some say God is love but full of aggravation Some say he don't talk to you unless you're perfect too But if you know him you can laugh cause you know that ain't true Here's some good theology Everybody. Welcome to Capital City Christian Church and Chocolate Sunday. If you would stand up, we're going to sing about God being able to do everything that he says in the Bible. We trust that. We believe in that. Help with the unbelief.
you so much, Lord, for this goodness that we've just got to sing about together, Lord. I pray right here and right now that we would believe this morning. Spark up the faith in us, Lord God. Spark up our faith this morning, and I pray that every doubt would fall away. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would revive our dreams, that we would be able to dream in you again, Lord God, that we would be able to believe in you for who you are and believe that you are still the God of miracles, Lord. The same God of the Old Testament is the same God today, Lord. I thank you, God. I pray that we would come out of agreement with every lie that the enemy has spoken over us, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, I ask you, God, that we would believe in you for greater things this morning. And in your name, Lord, I pray. Amen. You guys have a seat. Can you hear me? I'm here, fighting, pressing to remember what you said. But this onslaught of thoughts fills my head with dread and I need you. Like enemies encamped, shrouded in the dark, I can feel the fascination of too many temptations reaching for my heart. So I need you to hear me. For I know your ears are attentive to the righteous, and I know that your ways are certain. Even when my worries would trample me to dust, still, I know you are good. Your hand is just. So come now, be the salvation for my sins. Help me to begin again that you would mend this trend of hopelessness. God, deliver me in my brokenness. I can feel your presence, even now in the ugly, in the mess that has been made. You surround me with your benevolence. Yes, your love is on display, and I can see it. Carving roads through the struggles and the troubles, past temptations and devices that seek to choke me out. So come fear, come failure, come opposition or doubt. Jesus, you are my deliverance. Your grace is sufficient. Trusting you is my only way. Now I turn my mind to dwell on your truth. Curate the condition of my heart to manifest joy. Be my living proof. Subdue the haters, quell the voices inside. Transform me, Lord. Extinguish my pride. You've won the battle. I trust in your plans. Yes, God. I surrender all my worries, my woes, and my demands into your eternally capable hands. Good morning. So, tomorrow is Independence Day, right? Or as they call it in Canada, Monday. 
How many of you guys are going to have bought some fireworks to shoot off? My family, it's a pretty big deal, but all of the guys in our family saved a lot of money this year because we told our wives to calm down. <laughs> now, that was kind of funny. You've got to admit, it's a little bit funny. <laughs> you hear about those guys, you know, afterward, they fired them off. These fireworks are awful, awesome, awesome, high four, high four. <laughs> and just a parenting tip. Never let your kids play with fireworks, unless, of course, sparklers. You mean blazing hot fire at the end of a stick, totally fine, right? <laughs> oh, well. I hope you have a good time tomorrow. We're going to. Let's, uh, let's bow our heads. Father, we're so grateful that we can be here in your presence. And we pray, Lord, that we will sense your presence what this is about to gather as a family of God with you and now we pray Lord that the words of our mouths and the thoughts of our hearts will please you in the name of Christ we pray amen okay guys I've been drawing some of the big ideas for this series from a great book by Carl Kuhl named Bloodstained Pews like we've got copies of that book in our connections room if you want to pick one up. Well, Cool picks up a story from Philip Yancey. Philip Yancey is one of my favorites, a story about a mother of a child with cystic fibrosis. This mom watched her daughter die a terrible death, suffering agony that no doctor, no medicine, no mom could take away as she watched her daughter clinging to her faith in God. Now, if you were that mom, would you be tempted to doubt the existence or the goodness or the power of our God? Well, here's what the mom wrote. She says, It's against this background of human beings falling apart. Nurses can only stay on that floor so long because they could not do more to help. Against that background that God, who could have helped, looked down on a young woman devoted to him and decided to sit on his hands and let her death top the horror charts of cystic fibrosis deaths. Doesn't do any good to talk of the good that results from pain. Nor does it help to talk of a God who almost always lets the physical process of disease run its course. Because if he ever does intervene, then at every point of human suffering, he makes a decision to intervene or not. And in my child's case, his choice was to let the CF rip. There are moments when my only responses are grief and an anger as violent as any as I have ever known. Hmm. Have you ever doubted the existence of God or the goodness of God or the power of God? I know, guys, that I spent five months, part of the beginning of this year, laying out a case for God, which I think is a powerful, powerful case. But you know why I did that? Because it is easy to doubt the existence of God. Or if there is a God, it's easy to doubt His goodness or His power. Now, I know that sometimes our reasons for doubting God are pathetically weak. I just don't want a God. But sometimes people have solid reasons for doubting God, Right? You guys ever heard of Mother Teresa? Actually, the question is, who hasn't heard of Mother Teresa, right? 
one of the most famous Christians of the 20th century, a missionary to the poorest of the poor in India, Nobel Peace Prize, canonized, declared a saint by the Roman Catholic Church, fearless whenever she had the opportunity to speak truth to power. In fact, she considered abortion the greatest destroyer of peace today because she said if a mother can kill her own child, what is left for me to kill you or you kill me? There's nothing in between. She was as selfless and as humble and as bold and as vibrant a Christian as you could ever imagine. And yet, did you know, for the last 50 years of her life, Mother Teresa experienced the absence of the presence of God. 50 years. She never showed it, but she felt it so deeply. She spent her whole life showing people the love of God, but she, she felt a profound emptiness inside. Here's what she confessed to her spiritual director. This is what she said. She prayed to God, Lord God, who am I that you should forsake me? A child of your love, and, and now I've become as the most hated one. The one you've thrown away is unwanted, unloved. I call, I cling, I want, there's no one to answer. I try to raise my thoughts to heaven and there's such convicting emptiness that those very thoughts return like sharp knives and hurt my very soul. She says, love, the very word, brings nothing. She says, I'm told that God lives in me and yet the reality of darkness and the coldness and the emptiness is so great that nothing touches my soul. Did you know that? Mother Teresa lived in a spiritual desert, what one great Christian called the dark night of the soul. Panic that God was hiding from her, panic that God maybe had rejected her. At one point, it even caused her to doubt the existence of heaven, maybe even the existence of God. But she never quit. She kept leaning in. Are you prone to quit? Sometimes it's not that God seems so far away. Sometimes it's just that he seems so passive in the face of our pain, which is why we doubt him. And if you really are there, God, and if you really are good and you really are powerful, why? Weirdly enough, Mike Case, who was our youth minister here for about 10 years, and my daughter both described to me the very same anger at God. I don't remember which pregnancy it was for Mike and Michelle. I think it was my daughter's second miscarriage. But they describe a rage that rose up inside of them at God. Mike yelled at God, you don't know what it's like to lose a child, God. <laughs> my daughter had the same experience. She prayed the same prayer. You don't know what it's like to lose a child, God. They both said stupidly. You know what's so cool? Both of them took their anger to God. They leaned in instead of leaning away, and both of them got gut-punched by God. He whispered to them both, huh, I don't know what it's like to lose a child. Really? That's what you think? Now, there's a sense in which the Gospel of John describes something quite similar. This guy named Lazarus gets seriously sick and they send for Jesus because Mary and Martha and Lazarus are close friends with Jesus, but Jesus takes his time getting there and Lazarus dies. Mary and Martha are both disappointed, frustrated, furious with Jesus. 
And when he gets there, both Mary and Martha say to Jesus, if you had been here, Jesus, if you'd gotten here on time, if you really cared, Jesus, our brother wouldn't have died. Jesus, this is on you. This is on you, God. And it says Jesus wept. He understood their pain, even though they didn't understand him. And you know what's so cool? Both of them took their rage directly to Jesus. They leaned in instead of leaning away. Can you be real with God when you're disappointed with him? When you're confused by him? When you're angry with him? Are you able to complain to God instead of about him? And sometimes, sometimes we doubt God because he, he just doesn't give us what we ask, right? And sometimes he doesn't give us what we ask because what we ask for from God is just dumb. You look at some of the prayers in the Psalms. Some of the prayers in the Psalms are just pretty stupid because they want God to do some things that are really quite mean. They're called imprecatory psalms, cursed psalms. Psalm 109, a psalm of David. And David is furious. He wants God to do some serious smiting of his enemies. He says, may his days be few. God, I hope he dies. May his children become fatherless. May his wife become a widow. May his children wander as beggars and be driven from their ruined homes. That's a mean prayer, guys. May creditors seize his entire estate and strangers take all that he has earned. May all of his offspring die. May his family name be blotted out. Sounds to me like David needs some Jesus, doesn't it? May the Lord never forget the sins of his fathers. May the mother's sins never be erased from the record. In other words, he says, I hope they all rot in hell. <laughs> Carl Kuhl, the guy who wrote that bloodstained Pew's book, says, it's kind of like Steve Smith here. Our worship director gets up here and leads us in a new worship song. And here are the lyrics of the song drawn from David. God, I know there's some real mean people. God, they're saying bad things about me. God, please don't kill them. Instead, would you please electrocute them, pluck out their eyes, take them to the brink of death so they can suffer horribly before you kill them. God, you're the best. I love you. Amen. <laughs> now, if you're praying prayers like that, I hope God doesn't answer your prayers. But sometimes... We doubt because we pray prayers that should be good prayers, and it's like God doesn't hear us, right? God, I want to find a really good godly man. I want to find a really good godly woman. I want to get married in a good marriage. It's a good prayer. God, we want a kid. God, I'd really like to get into that college. God, I'd really like to make that team. God, I really need that job. God, I'd really like to take my family to experience that. And yet you can't find that godly man or woman, it seems, or you just can't get pregnant. You can't get that job. Money is so tight, you can't take that vacation. So sometimes it's like, God, are you listening? You told us to ask, right? Because, because sometimes we think that following Jesus is supposed to make life easier, Right? Sometimes we think that being a Jesus follower means we should escape some of the wounds that cause others to bleed. Well, when God seems silent, when you pray good prayers, do you keep leaning in or do you start leaning away? That's the question, isn't it? Which is it? 
Because sometimes life just falls apart, right? Grief, loneliness, addiction, a loveless marriage, a betrayal by a friend, and each one of those kinds of traumas can sow a seed of doubt, a seed that you can either nurture or not. When the going gets tough, do you lean in towards God or do you lean away? Because it's going to get tough. We live in a broken world and God didn't promise to make our life easier yet. Sometimes, sometimes we doubt because we're surrounded by doubters and skeptics and cynics and scoffers. In fact, sometimes we doubt because we surround ourselves with doubters and cynics and skeptics and scoffers. Guys, we live in a world that's at war with God. We live in a world that's still ruled by a spiritual force that is at war with our God. And they're trying to suck us in because we're God followers and we're an annoyance to them. We're kind of like a nest of fleas to those who are trying so hard to ignore our God. So they're going to try to poke holes in what we believe and how we try to live. Because guys, bottom line, our culture is not God-honoring, is it? And too often we listen way more intently to our culture than we do our God. And their doubts and their skepticism and their scoffs worm their ways into our minds and our hearts. Well, when you doubt, do you lean in or do you lean away? We've been talking about roadblocks to our healing. If we're going to be a, a church with blood-stained pews, which is, I think, what God wants us to be, then we need to be finding some healing in here, right? We've been talking about some of the roadblocks that prevent us from getting healed by our God, our pride, our guilt and our shame, our apathy, and our doubt. Because sometimes we let our doubt drive us from the only one who can heal us. Let's dig into a Jesus story about doubt. You ready? Mark chapter 9. Now here's what's been happening back in Mark chapter 8, the previous chapter. Jesus finally tells the disciples who he is. He says, okay, guys, you've been following me. You've been watching me. You've been listening to me. Have you figured it out yet? Who do you think I am? And Peter says, I think you're the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus says, you're dead on right. Now, I'm going to have to die for you. It blew their minds. And kind of like to prove that he really was the Son of God, even though he's going to have to die, he takes Peter, James, and John, kind of his inner circle, and takes them up on a mountain, and it's kind of like he pulls down this mask. He starts glowing like he's on fire or something. And they hear this voice out of heaven. And the voice says, this really is my son, guys. This really is my son. You need to listen to him. And so when they come off that mountain, Peter, James, and John are pumped until they get to the other nine disciples. And that's where we're going to pick up the story. Here goes. When they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them, some teachers of the religious law. And they were arguing with the disciples. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed for some reason. They were overwhelmed with awe, and they ran to greet him. And Jesus says, what all the, what's all the arguing about? See, this guy, this dad, had brought his kid to the disciples for healing. Because as we'll see, the kid was demon-possessed. We'll get back to that. Anyway, it's kind of like the disciples had tried to exorcise the kid, and they had failed And these religious bigwigs who were always shadowing Jesus, waiting for him to mess up, 
Well, they were arguing with the disciples. I don't know what they were arguing about. Maybe they were ticked that the disciples were trying to pull off an exorcism at all. Who gave them that kind of authority? Maybe they were annoyed by the way the disciples were doing it. I mean, there were supposed to be rules, right? Rituals that should be formed, words that should be used. Maybe the disciples were doing it wrong. Or maybe they were just suspicious that the disciples were actually using the power of Satan to cast out demons, to fool people into following Jesus, a heretic. It's an accusation they'd made before. Anyway, the, the crowd sees Jesus coming, and, and I don't know, maybe his timing is just perfect, and that's why they were overwhelmed with awe. Kind of a weird statement. Maybe Jesus still looked a little bit different because of the transfiguration. Maybe some of the after effects were still visible. And that's why they were overwhelmed with awe. I don't know. But they run to Jesus and he says, what's all the fuss about? Although I suspect he knew. Verses 17 and 18, one of the men in the crowd, he spoke up and said, teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He's possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. Whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. He foams at the mouth, grinds his teeth, becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, and they couldn't do it. And you buy that? You believe the dad? Do you believe it's possible that a demon was actually tormenting his child like that? Guys, if you believe in the possibility of a God, it stands to reason you've got to be at least open to the possibility of a devil too, doesn't it? Demons? C.S. Lewis puts it like this. He said, there are two equal, opposite errors into which our human race can fall into about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. That's an error. The other is to believe in their existence, but to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves, the demons, are equally pleased by both heirs and hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight. Or if I can put it in the words of Kaiser Soze in the great movie The Usual Suspects, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he does not exist. And he's fooled a lot of people, maybe some of you. So this dad with this terribly sick kid comes to Jesus for help. The disciples can't pull it off. Now, can you imagine the frustration of this dad as he's sitting there holding his sick kid while these religious leaders argue with these disciples about theology? Imagine a parent. Imagine you're you're a parent and you're watching your kid suffer from some terrible disease or some addiction or bullying or whatever, and you're angry and you're frustrated and you feel helpless because you can't fix your kid and you can't find anyone who can fix your kid and you don't know what to do, you don't know where to go, and you're either afraid that your kid is going to be terribly scarred by what's going on, maybe your kid's going to die, maybe your kid's going to go to hell, if there is one. Guys, if that doesn't stir you for your kids, what's wrong with you? So Jesus says something weird. Verse 19. He says, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long do I have to put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Now, who's he talking about? Is he talking about the crowd? The religious guys who are hounding the disciples? Is he talking about the disciples, maybe, who don't have the faith to pull it off? Talking about the dad? 
because he knows what the dad is going to say next. Who are the faithless ones in the story? Maybe he's talking about us. Maybe he's talking about you, about me. When we refuse to actually trust him. And our faithlessness is an evidence that Satan still has a strong hold on us, right? Verse 20. So they brought the boy, and when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion. He fell to the ground, writhing, foaming at the mouth, because demons did stuff like that whenever they encountered Jesus. Because, guys, there are no demon atheists. Verses 21 and 22, Jesus says, how long has this been happening? Dad says, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into a fire, into water, trying to kill him. Have, have mercy on us, have mercy on us, and help us if you can, he says to Jesus. Help us if you can. Now, we don't know how old the boy was, but apparently this has been going on for years, which means his dad has been trying to find help for his kid for years which means that he's probably been to every doctor that he can afford. It's probably not the first time that he's gone to somebody for an exorcism. Had plenty of reason to doubt, didn't he? He'd heard of this Jesus. He'd heard that Jesus was doing things that maybe only God, God can do, but the disciples failed, and the failure of his disciples probably had to just increase his doubts, right? If you can, if you can, Jesus... Dad's got enough faith to lean in, but this is not a ringing endorsement of Jesus, is it? It's almost like the dad is like, I'm out of options, Jesus. You're my last chance. You're my last resort. How do you, how do you like being the last pick, the last resort? He says, I don't know what else to do. I love my kid. I'll do anything to help him. I don't know if this is going to work, but I've got to try. So if that's enough... That's what I've got to give you, Jesus. Doubt. But right there, in the middle of the doubt, is he leaning in or is he leaning away? In the middle of your doubt, do you lean in or do you lean away? Because if you lean away, you can never find healing. Right? I mean, if you doubt, so you never go to the doctor... If you doubt, so you never take the medicine, if you doubt and you never reach for help, how are you going to get healed? 23. Will you mean if I can, Jesus says. Anything is possible if a person believes. By the way, just because Jesus can doesn't mean he will. Don't forget that. Anyway, I wonder if Jesus' words imply that God gets annoyed sometimes by our refusal to trust him. You mean if I can? You actually believe in God enough to trust him? Do you think that God is good enough, strong enough to do the right thing, whatever the right thing is? It's not that if you just believe hard enough, God will do anything you want. It's that if you don't trust him, why would you expect any kind of healing from God? Do you really believe in God and the God revealed to us in and through Jesus? Do you really? And the dad responds with what I think is one of the greatest sentences in the whole Bible. I love this verse. Verse 24. The father instantly cries out, I do believe, but please help me overcome my unbelief. 
How cool is that? Some of the most honest words in all the Bible. The kind of words, the kind of prayer that God honors. This guy isn't blowing smoke at God. He's not lying to himself. He's not lying to God. But most importantly, he's leaning in. He doubts, but he leans in. Too often when we doubt, we lean away. How can you ever expect God's healing when you're pushing him away? G.K. Chesterton was one of C.S. Lewis's heroes. C.S. Lewis is one of my heroes, so when Chesterton speaks, I listen. He says there is within every believer, every one of us, a tension between faith and unfaith, a tension between faith and doubt. And faith can only continue to exist if God helps. In other words, you're only going to stay faithful if you lean in and God strengthens what faith you have. He says there's something in man which is always on the eve of disappearing, that faith, but never quite disappears, an assurance which is always apparently saying farewell yet, which illimitably lingers, string which is always stretched to snapping, yet never snaps, that's good faith. In other words, there's going to be doubt from time to time, honest doubt, but will you let your doubt break you? really, really famous preacher by the name of Dwight Moody. probably heard of him. He put it like this. He says there are three kinds of faith. There's a struggling faith, which is kind of like a man in deep water swimming desperately. And then there's a clinging faith, like the guys in the water hanging to the edge of the boat. And there's a resting faith, which is like the man who's safely inside trying to help others in. And there will be times when you feel like you're floundering in deep water like this, Dad. If you can help, please, Jesus, but help me believe. At least you're leaning in. At other times, you're going to be clinging to the side of the boat. and other times, you're going to be strong enough to be helping others in. What kind of faith do you have right now? So here's what happens, verses 25 and 26. When Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers is growing, he rebukes the evil spirit because God does stuff like that. He says, listen, dork. That's my paraphrase. He says, listen, dork, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. And the spirit, through a temper tantrum, screams and throws the boy into another violent convulsion and leaves him. No rituals, no holy water, no magical words or prayers or incantations. Jesus doesn't follow the rules of exorcism. He just says, get out and don't come back. And the demon gets out and doesn't come back because Jesus is God. Epilogue, verse 28. Afterward, when Jesus is alone in the house with his disciples, they said, why couldn't we cast out the evil spirit, Jesus? Why couldn't we drive it out? That was embarrassing, Jesus. Did we use the wrong words? Did we forget the cross and the holy water? The demon see something in us that gave it the ability to resist us? What did we do wrong, Jesus? And Jesus is kind of like, you don't get it, do you? It's not about you. It's not about you. Verse 29, this kind can only be cast out by prayer. Now think about it. How often do you want God's power? How often do you want the power of God without going through the bother of prayer? Seriously. 
You want his healing, but you actually trust him. You want his peace, but you actually try to stay close to him. I'm not talking about church. I'm talking about doing life with God. You want his strength, but are you actually trying to do life his way? Seriously, are, are you in his word? Are you praying? Seriously, more than rub-a-dub-dub, God bless the grub, right? Bottom line, guys, it's not about having enough faith. It's about having faith in the right one. You can try to believe yourself into getting whatever you want. It's not going to work. It's not about believing hard enough. It's about believing in God, trusting God. And he can take the smallest slices of faith and work wonders with them if you're leaning in. Guys, don't be bothered by honest doubt. Honest doubt. I mean, so much of our doubt is not honest. We're just looking for a reason, an excuse not to believe. Push God away. But if your doubt is honest, you'll lean in. And if you lean in, God will never lean away. Great pastor by the name of John Ortberg, <clears throat> he put it like this. He says, disciples are not people who never doubt. We doubt and we worship. We doubt and we serve. We doubt and we help each other with our doubts. We doubt and we practice faithfulness. We doubt and we wait <clears throat> for that day when our doubt will be turned into knowing, which it will. Because someday we're going to see him face to face. And there will be no more doubt forever. Until then, the very best prayer that we can pray is this, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. God, my kid is hurting, and I don't know how to help him. I believe in you. Help my unbelief, God. God, my marriage is hurting, it's broken, and I know what you want me to do, but it's so hard. I believe you, but help my unbelief. God, it's been two years and I'm still grieving. They said it'd get better. And I know I need to trust you. I believe, but help my unbelief. God, I did the same thing last night on the internet and I'm so ashamed. I know what's right and I do what's wrong and I really need your help. I believe in you, God, but please help me to trust you. God, I'm so lonely. Preacher keeps saying that you're enough but you made us to need each other too. I keep trying church, but I'm still lonely. It's causing me to push you away. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. I don't know where you are, but can you pray that prayer with me? Can you say it with me out loud? Ready? Lord, I believe. Help me with my doubts. Can you say it again? Lord, I believe. Help me with my doubts. You buy that? Keep leaning in, guys. Don't let your doubts cause you to lean away because there's no healing out there. Not the kind of healing that's going to last forever. Why don't you pray with me, please? Father, you are good and you are powerful. You're wise, too big to fit into our brains. Give us the wisdom, the courage to trust you. And when there are doubts, which there will be, give us the wisdom to lean in instead of leaning away because there's no healing to those who lean away.
Give us the wisdom to be people of God, standing tall as people of God, loving you and loving on each other. In the name of Christ, we pray these things. Amen.
time that we are gathered together, we know that your spirit is amongst us, it's moving within us, we know that you have worked in the past, we know that you worked through your word, and you're working in our lives a similar way, because that spirit is the same. Father, we know that when we approach you and ask for these things, your spirit is what will fill us, and it's no longer the, the pride that we've had in the past, it's no longer the guilt and the shame, the apathy and the doubt. God, we ask that you will remove all of that so that we can believe in you and continue to grow in our faith. Help us to get rid of the doubts. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We want to give you an opportunity to respond to God if he's speaking to your heart today. So in a few moments, you're going to be able to go around the tables and take a communion together. If you don't know what that is, we'd love to talk to you about it later on. This is a way for us to memorialize what Jesus Christ has done on a cross. And so his body and blood sacrifice for us. And so we take the bread and the juice to remind us of that very fact. 
So when you go around the tables, you'll see that. Plus, you'll also see some uh, black boxes. People that call this place home can use that to give an offering to God. And we have something else that's the white and generous buckets. It's a little bit different from a lot of churches that you'll see. This is something that we use to help people in our community. So if there's something outside of your offering that you want to give to people uh, that you're going to go straight to them, go ahead and put that in the white buckets as well. And we also want to give you the opportunity to be able to respond if there's another way. God is speaking to your heart. and You've been struggling with pride, and that's keeping you from experiencing the healing that you want. Or maybe it's the guilt and the shame that we talked about a few weeks ago, or apathy in your life, that you're just not living the life that you know that God wants you to live. And today, as we discuss doubt, you say, there's something within me that needs to be shifted. And I know that the Spirit can do that. You want to come up here in the front in the midst of all this? Doc's going to be right there. And if you want to talk to him about changing something in your life, let him pray with you. And then maybe that's, there's more going on. You want to pray. There's people in the back that are going to be praying for you as well in that, in that prayer room. But don't let what God is doing in your heart just stop here. You know, there's some movement that's happening there. That movement is designed for you to do something about it. We know that the Spirit can do it. We expect to, to be moving right now in your heart. So let's let that happen in these next few moments. Let's go to the tables right now. Ah, I keep forgetting. So you guys go to the tables and we'll be that. Chuck, this is my grandson Eli, and Eli's come this morning to make Jesus his Lord and Savior. Yeah. Eli, I'm going to take your confession of faith. 
if you'll just repeat after me. I believe, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the, Christ the, Son the Son of the living God, and I accept him, I accept him as, my as my personal Lord and Savior. Because of your confession of faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of God's Holy Spirit. Amen.
you all be seated for just a second here. This is Madam Michaela. This is McKenna. I am so sorry. Holy cow, McKenna. All right. And her dad, Joe. But she came up here, and if I get the name wrong, she's not going to make it to heaven, on it. Um, <laughs> she came up here because she says, it's time for me to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Is that not cool? <laughs> and I'm going to ask her to make that confession of faith uh, this morning. And in a couple of weeks, Dad is going to baptize her, which is really, really cool. But this is what it's all about. I believe. I believe. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. Son of the living God. Son of the living God. And I accept him. And I accept him. As my Lord and my Savior. And as my Lord and my Savior. Welcome to our family. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, fantastic. Guys, we are so grateful. Yeah, let's do it again. That's right. We'll just keep it going. Got no problem with that. Guys, we are so excited that you uh, made time to join us today. Okay, I promise I'm going to let you go here in just a second, but there's a couple of really quick things, really important things I need to make you aware of before we do. Okay, so can you hang with me for four more minutes? Promise I'll try to honor that. Maybe five. Okay, we're going to go quick. All right, first of all, uh, first thing I want to make you aware of is you guys are aware that for the year of 2022, we're trying to nudge 12,000 people closer to Jesus, right? We're doing 1,000 nudges every month. Last month, you guys did a fantastic job with the ducks, right? Those little rubber ducks. We reminded people not to duck out of church. Those things were everywhere. Good job, but it's a new month, so we have a new nudge, all right? New month, who dis? All right, this month's nudge centers around these towels. Did you see these coming in out there? Okay, what we want you to do is grab one or two or a handful on the way out. We're going to use these as an opportunity in the month of July to serve somebody. All right, we want you guys to get creative with this, okay? It doesn't matter. I mean, there's traditional uses for towels. There's non-traditional, okay? You could find a Cincinnati Reds fan and wipe their tears after the Braves beat them again this afternoon. Uh, sorry about that. You could grab a handful. We've got red, white, and blue. You could sew an American flag together, give it to your neighbor for Independence Day. Actually, can't do that because I'm going to do that one. Just thought of it. Mom, you going to help me sew the flag? Okay, good. All right, so but whatever you do, Find, find something to do to serve the community. And then here's number two. We're going to document this on social media, right? We're going to use the hashtag trending towels and get this out there. And this is not an opportunity to self-aggrandize and say how good you are doing. Find somebody in your family, another church member, anything. Show them out there doing this, serving our community, okay? 1,000 of these. So grab as many towels as you need on your way out, and we're going to make that happen for the month of July. Can I count on that for you guys? Hmm? Good. All right. No, item number two, this is very important. I need you to pay close attention. Next week, we are having a teddy bear picnic. Now, if like me, you heard that phrase and you thought, you pictured a group of teddy bears around a picnic table eating, that's what I thought too, but that is not at all what's happening. Okay, we've done some pretty weird stuff here at the church before. That would probably top the list. We're not going to do that. We're going to have a human picnic, and we're all going to bring teddy bears because we're going to donate them to local EMS centers who use them to comfort kids during times of crisis and trauma, crisis and trauma, okay? So next week, bring a teddy bear with you for picnic, teddy bear picnic Sunday. Um, the important part about this, though, is that we will only be having one service next week. It will be happening at 1030, and it won't be happening in here. It's going to be ha happening outside in the pavilion or party shed, however you wish to describe it, okay? So what time is our service next week? 10.30, right. Where is it happening? That's right, okay. If you show up at 9.30, as you normally would for this service, that's fine. Just stay an extra hour. If you show up at 11, 
You're going to look absolutely silly driving up in front of everybody, and you're going to remember, Jordan warned me about this, and here I am, okay? So don't do that. Make sure to be here next week, at least by 1030. We're all going to gather in one service. It's going to be really cool, and then we're going to have a picnic afterward and bring a teddy bear or stuffed animal of any kind if you can, okay? Last thing I need, you, need to make you guys aware of. The first Sunday of every month, we do what's called our Getting Started class. Now, this is an opportunity if you've been kind of kicking the tires on Christianity or a relationship with Jesus or Capital City Christian Church, and you want to know more about uh, what those things mean or what it means to be a Christ follower here at the church, we just want to give you an opportunity in a, in a no-pressure environment to learn a little bit more about us and our faith and uh, see if you can make a decision in that regard, okay? So that's happening today, immediately following this service and immediately following the second service. So if you want to attend that, just walk straight out those doors, take a hard left, and this will be happening in the connections room out in the lobby, all right? So just straight out there, take a left. It only lasts about 15, 20 minutes. We just want to answer your questions if you've got any and give you an opportunity to get connected in a further way if you're interested, all right? We're so happy that you guys were here today. If there's one thing that I want you to take away from the uh, message today, it's just it's okay to doubt, right? If you've never had any doubts, I question whether you've had any thoughts, and that would be a real problem. If you've had doubts, you've joined some pretty good company, right? To have faith is, to a certain degree, to have doubts. The only question, the question is not whether you're going to doubt, question is what you're going to do when you doubt, right? Are you going to lean in? Are you going to cry out to God? Or are you going to lean out? Are you going to lean? Leaning in, by the way, is leaning on him. And I promise you he can take it. Leaning out is leaning on yourself. And I'll let you figure out whether you can take it or not. Okay? We're so happy that you guys were here. We hope you will attend next week. And in the meantime, go in peace.